What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. A uh, bit of a special episode today. So this is a panel discussion that I was fortunate enough to host at the Value of Bitcoin conference a couple weeks ago. And the title of the panel was The Bitcoin Renaissance Internal. And the reason why I wanted to explore this kind of concept was because one of the things that you both realize as a result of interacting with Bitcoin and through many of my conversations with people in the space over the last year or so is that a lot of people experience, you know, either subtle but most often fairly profound uh, behavior change as a result of engaging in and learning about Bitcoin. And this is a really interesting phenomenon because at the end of the day, on the surface at least, you would say, you know, why does interacting with this digital protocol and this abstraction that we call Bitcoin inspire me to change, you know, basically who I am and and change a lot of fundamental behaviors? So on the surface, it seems kind of odd. Now, many of us who have delved further into this and understand the role that money plays in our lives, we kind of begin to see how and why this process unfolds. But nevertheless, I thought that, you know, it's not a subject that gets talked about at a lot of these conferences that are primarily focused on economics and, you know, sound money and those sort of uh, panels, discussions, debates, etc. So I thought it'd be fun to do it. And uh, I, I wanted to get a good sprinkling of people that I thought would be great for the panel. So on this, we have uh, Katie Ananina, we have Connor Brown, we have Gigi, Max Hillebrand, Nick, and Knut. So a lot of you will be familiar with those names from Twitter. Uh, if you're not, I highly suggest you check out the show notes, uh, look, find their handles, and follow the, all these people. They're really awesome people, and it was an honor to have them join the panel. And basically, we just took, uh, I think it was about two hours, and we talked about, you know, kind of the person that they were before coming to Bitcoin, and in what ways interacting with Bitcoin has inspired them to change their behavior. And, you know, just to kind of last point on this is I think this is sometimes lost on the greater discussion about Bitcoin. We talk about it as an investment, as, you know, a fundamental sort of economic um, tool. But ultimately, all Bitcoin is, is something that either prohibits or permits certain behaviors. And the reason why it's special and important is because it permits, really, you know, it, it permits and incentivizes behaviors that I think many of us think are positive, and it prohibits certain behaviors that I think many of us think are probably negative. And the confluence of those two things taken together means that it has the potential to have a really positive impact on our world as a result of influencing all of our individual behaviors. And so um, this is the, the, the topic of the, the panel. This is what uh, we wanted to explore. And uh, it was super fun to connect with these legends uh, just around the having. actually. I think it was a couple hours before and uh, have this discussion and uh, see what everybody felt and what everyone's experiences were. So that's it. I hope you enjoy. All right, so I wanted to put this together. You know, this conference has a lot of amazing uh, people and speakers. Among them are are some of you guys. And, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff, the conversations in Bitcoin center around, you know, economics or technical discussions and this kind of stuff. And that's all great. And I know we're all super interested in that kind of stuff too. But, you know, my, my feeling is that ultimately this is a revolution in human behavior and interaction. 
and Bitcoin is just something that inspires different behaviors or permits or prohibits different behaviors. And so I know from having talked to all of you that a part of this journey has not only been understanding how Bitcoin works and engaging in it and building it, but also in kind of feeling how it's inspired change within you. And so I think what I wanted to do with this panel is just explore that concept. Look at how it's changed different components of our individual personal lives, and then maybe even look ahead to how we think that process may continue into the future. So uh, what I wanted to do to just to get this started, and this may, may seem like an odd start, but I'm gonna go around to each of you. And I just would like you to, in your own words, obviously try to describe the person you were before you knew anything about Bitcoin. And so, Knut, why don't we start with you? Like, how would you characterize yourself before coming to 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 know and understand and engage with Bitcoin? Uh, the first word that comes to mind is that I was probably a seeker of some kind, seeking truth in in stuff that, uh, and finding very little of it in uh, in money. Uh, like being curious about how the world worked and uh, what made the, the the cogs turn and what made what made economies tick and uh, uh, like uh, before Bitcoin. I, I mean, Bitcoin for me coincided with a lot of other stuff in my life, like uh, starting a family and getting a proper land job instead of sailing around the world on a tall ship and doing fuck all with my life so <laughs> uh so uh i i guess i was uh, uh and still is a philosopher at heart uh and uh, i was longing for something to uh l like that queens of the stone age lyric uh, give me something good to die for to make it beautiful to live uh, I was looking for something like that, and I think I found it. Gigi? Oh, man, where do I even begin? Like, you guys have no idea what kind of crazy person I was before <laughs> I entered Bitcoin. Um, I was pretty much skating all day, every day, drinking myself to death, being very nihilistic. Um, what else? <laughs> I, I was a vegetarian as well. You know, that changed. Um so this might sound, sound crazy to some people that haven't been in the Bitcoin space for quite a while, but uh, basically my, my time preference was very, very high and now it's very, very low. And uh, if you understand that sentence, then you might also be able to understand what changed for me. So I, I look at it um, that way that you will have to do a lot of work to actually understand Bitcoin. And unless you're already primed in some way, putting in the amount of hours that's necessary to understand that beast will obviously change you. And it changed me quite a bit. That's also why uh, in my book, it's actually the first lesson that Bitcoin will change you more than you will change it. And um, that's definitely true for me because I wasn't primed for Bitcoin at all, except for having a technology background. But um, it, it changed my worldview drastically and uh, my view of politics also drastically and of so many other things also um education and how the how the world works and 
um in terms of personal responsibility in terms of fitness there are so many things like it's it's impossible to to answer that very briefly yeah but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, yeah we'll, i changed a lot we'll get into each one of those in uh, in detail for sure nick how about you what uh what were you like before you came uh, to be involved in bitcoin uh really young and stupid <laughs> uh i was in high school and i never thought for myself i always like thought you know and agreed with whatever anybody else um thought like i remember taking uh gov in my senior year and just agreeing with everyone just because like i didn't want to you know disagree with them and think for myself um i didn't really have like a life plan like there was nothing i was really interested in other than sports and yeah, it definitely kicked, you know, kicked me in the ass, got my life on track. And um, yeah, it really made me feel passionate. It made me passionate about learning. Like in high school, I never gave a shit about learning. Like I always just did schoolwork just to do it. And now like I learn in my free time because it's just something I enjoy. And that really helped me in a big way. Hey, Katie. Hey, gentlemen. Can you hear us? Yes. Awesome. Thanks for joining. So uh, we're just going around the room. Basically, you know, I did a little introduction of, about what this is all about. And uh, we're trying to explore the different ways that Bitcoin has influenced us on a personal and in, individual basis. And the first question is just what kind of a person were you before Bitcoin? So Connor's up next. I'll let him uh, take the floor. I think for me, I, I can kind of bracket it into like on a Mac, like my perspective from a macro way of thinking about things and then like a micro way. So from a macro perspective, I think that Peter Thiel's book Zero to One kind of gives a good um, framework for thinking about your view towards the future. And mine was on a macro scale, sort of like indefinitely pessimistic. I was feeling like things weren't headed in a good direction, but it was sort of like, I don't know exactly what the problems are gonna be. I just feel like generally society lacks a sort of vibrance that our leaders don't have any you know moral standing that there doesn't seem to be people in positions of power that are competent and i think things are going to get worse but i don't know exactly how and it'll just be like kind of a slow decay um but i think that bitcoin was very i mean like just in a matter of weeks i went complete 180 to a definite optimist that the world is going to get better and i know how it will get better and, um, you know, I mean, that that changes you in a lot of different ways. So I think that macro outlook then changed me on a micro level of like, what are the things that I'm oriented towards? What are the things I'm spending my time on? Um, and outside of just like binging Bitcoin and being super excited that there actually is a political path that is is workable and um, is not some sort of hopeless, like, let me just protest for protest sake which is very self-referential and sort of like, you know, it, it doesn't really, uh, it, it makes you feel good, but does it really accomplish anything? It, it seems sort of like intellectual masturbation. But um, once I sort of saw this is a definite path forward that I think has an actual strong chance of changing the world, then I changed my own interest to think of um, things on, on broader time horizons, I guess. So like my, my passion's, prior to finding Bitcoin is like fashion and the latest trends in hip hop and stuff like that, which is, you know, extremely short time focused. Um, 
and you know it's it's constantly like what is the latest trend what is the newest thing on instagram or something like that where you know something it, it changes day by day whereas once i had an optimistic view towards the future then suddenly i was like uh i need to you know work on my health work on my like my diet um just learn more generally like i i got a really strong like itch to learn about history and kind of like find or to place myself within this historical moment because you know once i i really felt like there is a path to change in the world to make it better i was like well i feel like i need to understand other crucial turning points in history so i can put myself in one of them and understand contextually how things map out and so i i feel like it just did a complete 180 on my view towards the world, my own mental well-being and feeling better about things, um, how I interact with other people and, and how I think about relationships on longer time horizons. So, I mean, it's 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 influenced every part of my life, but I, I think those are sort of the big breakdowns of it. Nice. Katie, how about you? So I actually started to change a little bit before I learned about Bitcoin. Um, I mentioned it before that... Um, all my experiences in life as I'm coming from Russia kind of lead me through understanding the value of Bitcoin and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I realized that just two weeks before the previous halving, I immigrated from Russia to the United States. I barely spoke any English, but I knew that something was wrong. Back in Russia, I was learning economics. It was my major. And I, I totally rage quit my university after having crazy experiences like having my, my national currency devalued like 2x compared to US dollar. And I was like, something is not okay. And I was looking for like a cheat code or some shortcut to a good life. And I was like, all right, I'm going to immigrate to the States and look for it there. And uh, it kind of forced me to learn English. And it probably was my shortcut to Bitcoin as well. Uh, but yes, yeah, since then, uh, all my experiences were just confirming that uh, there is a better system and I just need to search for it and learn it. And and then I found Bitcoin. Nice. And Max, are you still with us? Uh, yes, I am. I, I will keep off the, mic, uh, the camera uh, just to save sure. on with. Um, but yes, I'm still here. So. I would say before Bitcoin, I was, uh, let's say, a theoretical anarchist. Uh, I, I understood the, the theory and I've done my fair share of reading of Austrian economics and individualistic philosophy. But a lot of my actions did not align with what I understood to be true. Uh, and that was really ripping me apart and uh, made me quite hopeless uh, because uh, there was no seeming way uh, for me to live my individualistic uh, lifestyle in this uh, realm uh, in, in this world that was so uh, fucked up and so full of coercion in, in every uh, single level. Um, and Bitcoin changed that quite, uh, quite drastically because it uh, kicked me down specifically the cypherpunk rabbit hole. Uh, and of course, that starts with Bitcoin having control over your own currency, uh, but also having control over your information and your privacy. Uh, and uh, this was something. Oh, wait, Connor says I cannot hear. Uh, he cannot hear me. Can you guys hear me? I okay. can hear you, Max. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I can. Okay. Good. Um, so, so yes, that was, that was basically the change. You know, Bitcoin is pure Austrian uh, theory and individualistic philosophy, but it is applied. Right? It is actually happening. You can actually use it as a tool every single day in your life. 
so so this is something that uh, personally was very liberating for me uh, on on how it changed from uh, let's say being pessimistic and hopeless uh, and not really knowing how to how to live the life that I want to live uh, to actually having uh, this this tool available uh, to express myself fully. Yeah, and so. Uh you know, there was a lot of different angles there. And, uh, you know, in this conversation, if you have something to contribute, or you want to take it a certain way, just, you know, chime up and, and say so. But I, you know, my experience had, you know, similarities with, with all of yours. And I think like many of us, I looked out on the world and, you know, I'd always been curious and interested in history, wanting a better world. And of course, a life for myself and looking out and not seeing a path toward it changing in a positive way, like not seeing how that would be possible in a sustained way. And, uh, you know, among other things, one of the first ones I kind of want to delve into a little bit is just the impact on mental health and general sense of well-being. Uh, so from my perspective, you know, I've always been, you know, someone who values my health and who attempts to be happy and fulfilled and, and, and find meaning in the things that I'm doing and the people I'm interacting with. But when you're kind of in a broader context of something that you you think is, you know, going in the wrong direction, then that can have a big influence on how you you know wake how you feel when you wake up effectively. And so uh, I'm just wondering, and and since being involved in Bitcoin, uh, at Connor, as you were saying, that's changed dramatically for me because I see now a means of changing, turning things around. And so um, you know that's had a material impact on me day to day to know that I can wake up and engage in something that has the, the potential to have that level of positive impact, both on the broader world and on my individual life. So I'm wondering if any of you guys have, you know, uh, anything to add on to kind of how it's impacted your sense of well-being and mental health and happiness. Um, for me, like when I graduated high school, and I had to make, you know, a whole new set of friends because all my other friends went away for college. I was like, okay, I'm going to surround myself with people, you know, who are like-minded, who push each other and want to, like, help each other succeed. And I've done that. And I definitely do think that that's helped, you know, my mental state a lot because they're helping me towards my goals and, you know, to what I want to succeed. I feel like a lot of people might hang around the wrong crowd of people. And I do think that can really, you know, negatively, you know, uh, negatively impact your mood, your mental well-being, and all of that. Um, there's a lot that goes into it, but yeah. Yeah, for me personally, as I was saying, I, I was quite nihilistic and pessimistic about the state of the world. I think that's something you hear all the time when you talk to Bitcoiners and how that changed. And um, I'm, I'm a huge like internet nerd and uh, I study quite a bit of internet history and stuff like that. And I'm a, a huge fan of Aaron Swartz and what he did. And he had a, a quote, uh, he was saying that you literally should ask yourself every day what is the most important thing you could be working on right now. And if you're not working on that, why aren't you? And I had this quote stuck in my mind before I discovered Bitcoin. Even. And I, I always uh, thought I would uh, go into open source contributions and uh, work on Linux or stuff like that. 
And once I discovered Bitcoin, this question became obvious for me. And uh, like literally every day I wake up, ask myself this question and the answer is always Bitcoin. So I just work on Bitcoin all day, every day. And it's a, it's a very motivating and positive thing that's happened to me. Like I, I really believe that um, yeah, Bitcoin ch can change the world for the better and can also change individuals for the better because I experienced it myself and I had so many conversations with other Bitcoiners that experienced the same thing. And um, I, I think it, again, it boils down to Bitcoin changing your time preference. And I think it's also that the freedoms that are granted by Bitcoin, they come at the price of personal responsibility. So you kind of have to take a, lo a lot of personal responsibility upon yourself. And that changes you in a in a positive way, I would say. Yeah, and it ties into skin in the game, like it. And I would go ahead. Uh, sorry. Uh, I, yeah, I can totally agree with Gigi that it helps you focus so much. Uh, no matter what you do, if if it helps you focus in general whether you're doing bitcoin stuff or other stuff and i think it ties into skin in the game uh one of my favorite quotes is from john cleese when he uh, uh when he talks about his childhood and his uh the town where he grew up where it seemed like everyone in that town wanted to get into their coffins uh as quickly and as comfortably as possible without ever having been seriously embarrassed <laughs> and uh so if if you don't put anything on the line and like throw yourself out there and try to do something you'll never excel at anything or get anywhere in life and uh so bitcoin really helped me uh be to be less scared of uh of my own thoughts and my own opinions and like uh, it helped me realize that I can be an individualist and not be ashamed of it but rather embrace it and there is a community out there somewhere and there are like-minded people and you just have to find them. Knut, do you, do you mind if I ask like have you dug into why you think it's had that kind of impact? I know you mentioned skin in the game but in, just in terms of being able to express yourself like with greater confidence perhaps than previously. What is it about this thing that you think allowed you to do that? Uh, I think it ties into another favorite quote. Like, uh, I, don't, I don't remember who said it, but like, if you're a libertarian and not into Bitcoin, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> it's a waste of time. Because this, uh, rather than, like when it clicked for me is that when I realized... Uh, and, and this is, by the way, it's a continuing process. It's, it keeps on clicking for me new things about this. And like, uh, but the thing uh, that instead of focusing on how to change the world as it is, try to change the world for yourself and from your own perspective. And this is the, this is the ultimate tool for that because everyone can use it for that. So it is, uh, it it is a thing for the masses, but it's it's a uh, one man revolution for every man woman and child on earth uh, i mean you can take literally take matters into your own hands and i think that is a very powerful tool and i mean does that answer the question i don't really know <laughs> but something along those lines sure. <laughs> max Just to pick up on, on what was said previously I, th I think as mentioned now we 
uh, we had the goals already in mind, right? Uh, this was something that we had figured out before uh, getting into Bitcoin. Uh, and, you know, praxeology is the study of human action in the sense that humans have ends that they want to achieve, right? Goals, uh, basically. And they utilize means in order to reach those ends. And means are tools, technologies, strategies. Uh, and when, when we have an end in mind, but we don't have the available tools, uh, in order to reach that, then this is uh, quite a devastating experience. Right? Uh, if if we find that meaning in life in achieving these ends according to the means available and to create the means as we need them uh, so that we can fulfill these ends, uh, then Bitcoin fits right in, right? It is a perfect tool. It is fucking incredible. Uh, and uh, when, when using this tool, we can actually achieve this individualistic libertarian um, dream uh, in a sense. Uh, yep. and, and nobody can fuck with it. Uh, and this is phenomenal. And all of a sudden, you have the tool available to live that fulfilling and happy life that, uh, that you want to. Yeah, the, the purpose of all tools, by the way, time. And uh, since Bitcoin basically is time, because time is money, right? So this is like the ultimate tool for everything because it saves you time like nothing else in the long run, at least. Yeah, and I'd like to go back to something that Gigi was talking about because I'm fascinated with the concept of how our perception of the degree of freedom that we have access to influences our behavior and in particular, our, our relationship or our perspective on personal responsibility, i.e. taking responsibility for more things and not delegating responsibility or becoming or developing a dependence on other people or things. Um, so anybody in the group kind of have anything to say about what, you know, kind of their perception of the freedom that Bitcoin provides has impacted them in that way? Yeah, I would love to comment on it. So in the world with no freedom, we have absolutely no responsibility. So it is like lack of training, right? So this muscle that makes you strong, it just mm -hmm. weakens over time because you're being taken care of on every step of your life. You get on a plane and they're like, safety first, just fasten your belt. And you never read the, the papers that they give you, how to exit the, the plane in, the, in, um, in times of emergency. And you just know that they will take care of you. So once you get this freedom that, oh, geez, now I hold my own kiss, I have so much, so much responsibility, and you start applying this um, do your own research and be your own everything into every aspect of your life, and you realize that now you do way better research, you're starting to take care of not only on your, of yourself, but you also consider attack factors like what if the person that drives next to you actually fucks up. So you like you're seeing the picture better, you're actually being responsible not for yourself, but for stupidity of others as well, for consider attack factors. And I, I feel like after I took this responsibility for my kids, which was a big step for me uh, when, I, when I got into that, uh, I realized that I, I take better care of myself and, uh, and my responsibility in every aspect of my life, pretty much. Yeah, I agree with that. Um... When I got into Bitcoin, I was 18, and um, I ended up moving out of my parents' house when I was 19, and it's really taught me a lot about responsibility, especially, you know, saving my money. It's like if I'm going to live on my own, I'm going to need to afford rent. I'm going to need to afford food. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to... When I was younger, I used to, 
one summer I worked a whole summer, saved up like 500 bucks mowing lawns, and I spent it all on an Xbox. Like, do you know how stupid that is? <laughs> like, it's it's being in Bitcoin has taught me not to spend money on stupid stuff and to actually save it for the future and for stuff I actually need to like survive and take good care of myself. Because even when it comes to like food, I don't want to be. I would love to eat like Chick-fil-A every day, but it's not the best thing for you. So it's like, I need, you know, money for vegetables and fruits and like good, healthy stuff. <laughs> vegetables? I want to, I want to go back to the, the confidence point that we were talking about earlier, which is, I think that a lot of the confidence comes from just talking to normies and just realizing like how far behind they are. Like, so many of these very important concepts like money uh is just like like you begin to unwrap like bitcoin gives you basically the ability to like peel back the onion and be like all right everyone's conception of money is just it's a shared illusion that's as far as they go like they haven't thought about this more than like a 15 second sound bite and then they just go on to the next thing and um a lot of you know political ideology or uh, economic thinking boils down to these like super simple just memes that people just like repeat to themselves that don't actually have much insight, but they're very nice sound bites. And so I think um, Bitcoin is like, you know, it gives you this like matrix vision where you can like see things that are like beneath what's actually happening. And then you're just like, oh my God, like no one has any idea what's going on. And so I, I think for me, it gives you, me a lot more confidence to just like enter into conversations and just like you know, be kind of that Socratic voice. It's just like, all right, but let's see, let's go a little bit further. Is it really just a shared illusion? Um, is it just an accident? We happen to settle on things that have the best monetary properties. No, of course not. Um, but I think so stemming from that, it made me just like cut out a lot of conversations in my life. Cause I was just like, why am I even talking to these people? Like they're just NPCs at this point, repeating the same thing. And so I could save a lot of time and energy and like continually invest in myself by just, you know, listening to a podcast and walking around instead of just having more circular conversations with people who say the same things over and over. So I, I think that was huge and freed up so much time in my life that I could then go and, you know, constantly reinvest. And I feel like I've branched out into so many different areas uh, uh, of interest that I hadn't even thought about, like architecture and urban planning and, I mean, I already talked about history, but I mean, and then with each of those, you can go deeper and deeper and um, they're all so interrelated. Also, I, I think that's another thing that gives you a ton of confidence is being like, once you go deep enough down the rabbit hole, you realize everything is tied together and not in like a conspiracy theory, like everything is like plotted out together. But like, really, I mean, changing the way that we perform economic calculation and distorting that obviously is going to have ripple effects through every single aspect of human action and culture and um, tying those links together is such a powerful insight that just red pills you so hard that you can't like, you can't be wrong <laughs> in a way. Like you can't look at what's happening with our monetary system and believe any other thing uh, is causing these major disruptions in societies uh, and, and have been seeing the same pattern, you know, for civilization after civilization. So I, I think all of that kind of like, builds into this massive burst of optimism and confidence in me personally. 
Yeah, it's a it's an interesting point that, and I think it's partially because, as you said, Connor, you know, money is such a foundational thing in terms of how we act and interact. But it's it's so fascinating that, you know, establishing clarity in that one domain then bleeds out into, uh, you know, presumably we can't objectively say we see everything clearly, but a, a, a pretty strong sense that we're seeing things more objectively and clearly than we were before in many different domains, as you were saying. I mean, it's 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 kind of bizarre. I mean, I take your point as to why that process may be unfolding, but has any um, has anybody else experienced that or have any stories around that? I have something to add in in terms of um, like having confidence in something. I I think it's it's also for for many Bitcoiners a, a new kind of reality opens up once you realize that this thing will probably very very probably stick around <laughs> and um every like every satoshi i save today will serve me in the future and i can be quite sure of that like if, if that's not the case then we all need something else to do and find a find a new hobby and find new jobs but um like given that bitcoin won't suffer any catastrophic failures in the next couple of decades bitcoin is like a a rock to to rest upon and that's very different from everything else uh in the world like even if you invest in real estate or, or something else like i have so many friends now they they have kids they start families they build houses and so on and um they take up they take out huge loans to pay back their houses because they went they want to have something for their family and i'm i can sympathize with with that line of thought but as we've seen there are so many external factors that um will lead to your house not being your house anymore but my bitcoin will always be my bitcoin you know there's no way around that um and i think that just gives a lot of confidence as well you know like if if you happen to have a little bitcoin nest egg then you can rely upon that and you can also rely upon bitcoin being there and just being interesting and doing its thing and uh more or less providing for you and others and i think um that's yeah a very a very nice um thing to have happened in this world because with the instability of the financial system and all the, the bubbles around the world that are happening and uh just popping <laughs> all over the place it's very nice to have uh very deep stability in bitcoin um what do you guys think of this this thought so I think, I think, at least in my perspective, what Bitcoin represents is a future with a lot more possibility and potential than there was previously, previous to Bitcoin. So I see a world, you know, in which Bitcoin exists as being far more expansive, far more potential, far more possibility, far more innovative, far more prosperous, peaceful, etc. And I wonder, or I, I think this is I, I feel pretty strongly about this, that one of the re I think we could characterize a lot of these changes we've been discussing as each of us as individuals trying to become more fit for purpose. Almost, you know, we're changing how we spend our time, who we interact with, what our diet is, our approach to health, our intellectual pursuits, all of this kind of stuff to try to become seemingly more, more fit, you know, it, it, all around. And I wonder like, why is that? And I think, what I, my perspective is 
now that this greater world of possibility and potential has opened up, I think that's just inspiring us to, to turn ourselves into people that are more able to capitalize on that new world of potential. How do you guys, you know, do you guys agree? And, and how do you guys feel about uh, that? Uh, that? I agree. Um, me and the Zoomers always talk about how like a Bitcoin standard would uh, bring on like a new um, industrial revolution. Like, you know, a lot of people are going to get their debt sorted out. They're going to get their lives sorted out. This whole age of like spending thousands of dollars on like a Gucci sweatshirt is going to stop. You know, people are going to stop buying all this fiat, you know, stuff, and they're going to want to save their money and invest their money in better things. Um, it's going to cause people to better themselves, which better society. I mean, like all of us, like we just said, have bettered ourselves immensely from this magic internet money. And it's like, what's going to happen when the whole world goes on it, you know? <laughs> There's, there's a more negative side to this as well. Uh, you, could, you could have quite a dystopian view uh, because there's, there are enemies that are not to be underestimated, uh, like the, the mobsters that run the world. Uh, and uh, like getting fit and getting, uh, getting fit for the fight against them could be a, a, just a survival thing. Uh, because uh, there might be some really rough times ahead. We don't know that with the COVID crisis and everything. So, so I think like the the red pill uh, metaphor is is very telling. Because uh, waking up and seeing the world for what it really is can be very depressing. And uh, I think many of us just buckle up for the for the hard times ahead. And that's that's why we. We try to do something with our lives. Of course, that's a positive thing, but uh, there's some there's some uh, f fright in there as well. Like, I think we're scared of the future if we don't do this. What what would happen to us if we didn't? Yeah, I I tend to agree. I always like to say that we're still living in peacetime, uh, like in in the Bitcoin land. I mean, there there were some. There were some tiny wars and disagreements and we had our shitcoin face and so on. But when it comes down to it, I think we're still living in peacetime and uh, who knows what's going to happen in the future. Uh, maybe it will be very rough and very warlike and maybe it will be just like step change after step change and a, a gradual transition. Who knows? But in, in terms of, in terms of uh, personal development and how individuals change, I think it all, in essence... Um, again, it, it boils down to having a lower time preference. And I think it's it's obvious that Bitcoin lowers your time preference and everything, uh, I think, follows from that. And I think what's, what's also interesting is that um, I see many Bitcoiners change their attitude and wanting to really build something and do something of value, like create something that lasts. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's code or content or or whatever. Um, but I, I, I realized as well, um, no matter, no matter what, like what's going to happen to Bitcoin or wh whatever comes <laughs> may be wartime or peacetime or whatever, as long as you do your best to provide value, other people are going to value that. And I think that's the, the best way 
forward in the best way through any time, the good times and the bad times. And I think a lot of Bitcoiners think along the, the same ways. They want to they, they want to be useful. They want to provide value and contribute in whatever way possible. Yeah, I think um, I, I've been thinking about this a lot and there is an aspect of what I do and, and what I feel motivated to do. It's like, I've got to be ready. Like when, when things go down, like whatever's going to happen, we know there's going to be some sort of major change. And in, I have to be, you know, like fit, but also like mentally like in shape in order to deal with what sort of reckoning is going to happen. And also like, you know, it's so exciting to be a part of such a major shift that I want to be ready for it so that I can contribute to it in the same way. Like I see so many parallels with the American revolution, right? And you had all these amazing Renaissance men, you know, the Jeffersonian ideal, the, the John Adams, and, and they just like spent so much time just studying so many different parts of history and different political systems and different ideas, political philosophies. And all of that came together in this sort of like constitutional convention and gave them enough conviction. They were willing to fight a war for it. And then in winning the war, they didn't just squander it. Right. Like they were able to truly build something much different and much better than what we'd seen before. And I think, you know, we have the potential to iterate to the next level. Like we've we've learned so much in the past 200 years. What is this new, you know, radical reorganization going to look like and what, you know, economic understandings or political understandings have can we develop now so that we can, you know, seed ourselves for when we're in the room and we're, you know, ready to, you know, start putting pen to paper and determining what these new relationships are going to look like. And so I, I feel myself like, like I, I'm, especially with COVID's happening, like things are happening way faster than I anticipated at all. And I don't want to be in that room and not feel like I'm, I'm competent. And um, so that's a, a lot of what goes into my thinking about being ready for whatever's going to happen. Yeah, th those are all good points. And it's it's something I've been thinking about lately in light of, you know, COVID and what's what's going on. But in that, you know, there's a lot of discussion about human rights and, and how they're being infringed and what which of them actually exist, etc. And, you know, it seems to me that you don't have rights, you have things which you can defend and things which you can't. And if you can defend them, then you get to experience them. And if you can't, then they can be taken away from you by someone who can overcome your defenses. And I think that's a great point in that what an aspect of what this inspires in terms of behavior change is in forcing you to consider, Connor, to your point, you know, how, how well you can defend or repel these different, you know, attack vectors or potential threats or potential scenarios that will unfold in the future. And I think that's a big part of a lot of the change it inspires because you're looking out at your world and at your life and saying, well, this is a vulnerability, this is a vulnerability, this is a vulnerability. How do I shore them up so that they're, you know, they're less of a vulnerability, they're, they're, I can defend them more capably. And I think you know, that's obviously one of the big um, positives, positive attributes of Bitcoin is that it's a, it's a way to store your wealth that is far uh, easier to defend than anything that preceded it because of it, you know because of its uh, digital nature and the way in which you're able to uh, you know to store it but 
I think that's a good point. So maybe it's more appropriate to say these changes that we're we're seeing in ourselves that are being inspired by interacting with Bitcoin are both trying to put ourselves in the best position possible to capitalize on the potential and the possibility that the future may now hold, but also recognizing that we need to kind of steal ourselves um, as well simultaneously to be able to, to capitalize that and see ourselves through whatever threats or whatever scenarios may unfold. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a great articulation of it and goes into what I think about constantly. Yeah, and yeah, I think um, I think the the best articulation of that is in <clears throat> in the sovereign individual, uh, which talks about this uh, balance of or imbalance of violence a lot. And uh, we see that very clearly now in Bitcoin, but also with other encryption technology that uh, once you use strong encryption, you um, you gain the upper hand in terms of defense. It, it doesn't matter who attacks you. Like even if China and the US and all the other governments in the world conspire against you and uh, all their armies won't solve this math problem. You know, like if, if you know what you're doing and you encrypt your stuff properly, then you still have the upper hand. And I think um, this this realization, this shift in the power balance, uh, once you realize that as an individual, I think um, quite a bit changes. As, as you said so beautifully, John, there, there, there are some things now, and this is a very new phenomenon that you can really and truly own, like your thoughts, you know, like nobody can take that away from you or your conviction. And Bitcoin is in that realm and other, other things, uh, thanks to strong encryption are in that realm as well. And I think that's, that's such a profound shift in the way the world works. Um, most people haven't realized that yet. Of course, many cypherpunks wrote about that in, in the seventies and eighties. And, uh, once, um, yeah, like there, there were some people that were very, very early <laughs> with realizing what, what this entails and, uh, all of this, um, yeah, future talk of the seventies and eighties, um, is happening now before our eyes. Like we, we see that now we have people that make use of these technologies and that are able to. Um, stand up against the most powerful forces in this world and do so successfully. Yeah, I, I love The Sovereign Individual. It's one of my favorite books. People, for some reason, it seems like it's very like polarizing. Like Half the people are like, oh, I read 50 pages. It was the worst book. Put it down. But I really took a lot away from that. And I think the dynamics of violence and tracing that through history and technological changes and that the, the nature of offense or defense um, really shapes what sort of civilization emerges from that. And I think that Bitcoin, like, I think we underrate and underestimate, even, even a lot of Bitcoiners underestimate how much defense comes from Bitcoin, because you're not just defending the monetary supply, which is huge for disrupting economic calculation, but you're also defending economic transactions themselves, right? When you can communicate value across borders without any sort of uh, third party, then you're defending your own economic activity. It's, and, and then so what happens when we have defensible economic activity outside of borders, then we're opening up so many areas of the world that are in just absolutely corrupt, you know, hell holes. And we can just, you know, suddenly they can just, you know, transact beyond that. And, and the possibilities for that, and that, you know, just sudden unlocking of vast amounts of human potential is also just something that 
that blows me away. But that's, I guess it's kind of outside the realm of this talk, but it, it goes in that same theme of defense. Yeah, absolutely. And if I uh, may add something onto that, uh, as, as John said before, like there's so many layers to this. And uh, as you said, you have, um, you have a defense against supply dilution. You have a defense against uh, censoring transactions. You you can defend your own stash in your head or uh, just <laughs> on, on your hardware wallet or whatever. There's so many layers to that. And I think the second and third order effects um, are just profound as well. Uh, like you talked about before with economic calculations. Um, if you actually have a money that isn't broken and uh, you can also defend, for example, against reckless spending for wars, for example. And you can also defend against uh, economic misallocation. Like uh, undoubtedly, as we have also seen in the Bellepoque on the gold standard, uh, if we are on the Bitcoin standard, having the soundest money that we ever had on earth, there won't be as much capital misallocation as we are seeing right now in this world. And I think this just, those were like 10 things now that are listed and all of this is wrapped up in Bitcoin and most people maybe understand one or two aspects of that but all of those things are important and all of it will change the world in my opinion knut i think you've been wanting to say something yeah i've been thinking of how to articulate it uh, but uh, just to turn things around and to say something positive about the world and like for us in this room uh, and uh, in this conference there is a huge opportunity. We, we should be honest to ourselves about that. Like if Bitcoin takes off or rather when it takes off, we will all be uh, in the in the history books <laughs> uh, with our our names somewhere. And uh, of course, that is part of why we're doing what we're doing. We shouldn't lie to ourselves about that. Uh, uh, at least a tiny part. <laughs> you know, you know, you know what I find funny about that canoe and like I, my, to be honest, maybe subconsciously to your point, but I don't. Not no part of my engagement of this is like, I want to be recognized as having been one of the early participants. Now I'm going to enjoy some I told you so's and and stuff like that. But, yeah. but in in the history, no, of course. But no. what I, what I mean is like so, but I I think it could be happening subconsciously. But what I do find really interesting, I mean, look at this, look at this, look at us right now, right? We're all you know in different countries Just, different yeah. people different yeah. ages everything and i sometimes like I, it tickles me to be like why is it us that are here now you know it's just it's... yeah but, but i mean subconsciously sure like, sure mine's conscious of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but for the most part subconsciously we, we wouldn't be sitting here talking and we wouldn't write books or uh, or like program websites or whatever if if we didn't have this uh, strong belief in that this system worked or like if we if the so let me ask you this if it hadn't clicked for us but but there is a subconscious like opportunity somewhere somewhere back sure, there sure yeah. let me ask you this given what you just said and that, you know there may be no uptake on this question but i just want to put it out there has that dynamic that you know we just described has that given you any has that changed your perspective or sense or believe in like the, the idea of nope. fate the idea of fate hmm. the idea of faith faith in what in fate like in, as in you know some grander plan for, for things has it changed that at all 
not at all <laughs> because <laughs> I, I wouldn't call it fate and uh, i i don't necessarily think it's a bad thing i mean like when you say that you capitalize on something that has got a negative ring to it because of keynesian economics right and because of the system we're in like there's nothing negative about wanting to succeed well, i couldn't agree and, more and like i like uh, i think this ties into the skin in the game thing like y you have uh, a lot to lose but you have a lot to win as well mm -hmm. and like we wouldn't be in it if if there if there was nothing in it for us like in the, in that case you can just sit back and hodl and uh you can be hodling hot. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Gigi. <laughs> Put that mask down, otherwise it gets confusing. <laughs> what, what, what will <laughs> yeah, I, that's going to be very interesting here. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I have actually something to add to that um, in, in terms of why why am i doing what i'm doing i i actually don't know i can't answer that question my, my my the best answer that pops into my head is because it's just a lot of fun i i'm not sure if i'm doing it for fame you know i probably should have used my real name if i if i was doing it for fame <laughs> and um i i'm definitely not doing it for money like the opportunity cost i i suffered in the last uh four years or so um it's huge like uh i could be you know yeah, would, um gg if i would, would you say that you do it for excitement i i don't know i i it gives me meaning that's mm. that's that's what i would say of course, it excites me as well, but I, I have a very peculiar um, uh, relationship to Bitcoin. Like um, uh, a weird thing happened to me uh, like <laughs> a year ago or so. And uh, for me, it just feels like it's the right thing to do and the right um, thing to spend my time on. Like no matter what, it, it doesn't, like if Bitcoin goes to zero, so be it. I'll be useful, I'll be useful somewhere else. I mean, I highly doubt it, but I'm, I'm I'm not sure if I'm doing it for fame and I'm, I'm definitely not doing it for the money. I mean, of course, as everyone else, I'm in it for the number go up technology as well. And if, if Bitcoin moons immensely, then I will profit of that as well. Maybe, you know, maybe I'll have just another series of voting accidents, who knows, maybe, yeah. but it's, it's, it's complicated. I, I'm not sure if, if many people are really in it for, for fame no, and, I, and riches. I think this, this is a second order effect that would be nice maybe but i don't yeah, know yeah but i don't think th that's not what i'm after really like fame but uh, but rather uh, like to admit to ourselves because we ought to question ourselves uh, all of us that are in this and uh, the the process of questioning everything continues uh, hopefully and we shouldn't just sit here and be a circle jerk like so so can we, can we my point is can we admit to ourselves that there is there is excitement in doing what you feel is meaningful and interacting with the people you you admire and like of course of course there is and and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that i think we've just been our upbringing in the keynesian uh, thing like know your place and don't question things that has that has skewed our perception of what is uh, how to uh, embrace uh you know, doing good stuff and getting recognized for it. Yeah, Knut, I'm, Maybe. I'm uh, well, uh, I would... like excited by, you know, the meaning of this thing. And yeah, for sure. It, yeah, like I have no disagreement there. I mean, I'm 100% on board with that. I'm sure 
every yeah. every one of you had this moment when you're like realizing how cool this thing is and you want to drop anything else you're doing and just contribute 24-7 to Bitcoin in any way you want. But lately, I kind of found a way to justify it for me. Uh, so I believe that I already live in a full anarchy right now. Like, I don't care what the political situation is, where it is, what they're telling you, you can or cannot do. I'm pretty sure I live in the full anarchy. And the way I see it, you pretty much build anarchy for yourself. You don't force things on people. Uh, it's fully voluntarily world. Uh, and then you just find other nodes that are doing the same and you just connect those nodes. So, and now telling people about Bitcoin, bring the, bringing them to this world and kind of helping them to build this node to run their own node of anarchy. You just expanding your network. You're connecting to trusted, reliable node that is um, like running the same world network as you do, like the, the world without forceive relationships and and all that stuff. So I think that's why I'm doing it now. Hey, Katie, that is, that is a very good point. And I would like to echo that again. Uh, you build it for yourself. That is the main reason, right? We, or I need that tool. I need to have a censorship-resistant, unconfiscatable asset that nobody can steal from me directly and that nobody can inflate out of my hands by indirect right? This is why I build Bitcoin weapons, because I need and well, if the tools improve in utility when others use them, uh, right, as is the case with the monetary good that relies on the network effect, or is the case with CoinJoin, for example, that relies on network effect for uh, privacy, then it is in my very best interest to teach others how to run their own node and how to be self-sovereign in this network, because I benefit from it. I mean, that is, that is the ultimate thing. I need this weapon. That's why I build it. And that's why it's so exciting, right? Uh, so absolutely, I, I agree with you too. Kind of on that point um, and taking it back to kind of the behavior change that is inspired by Bitcoin, do any of you feel a sense that you are kind of steward or representatives for this thing? And, you know, you, for everything that it means to you, you want to convey that to other people and not just in your gentle or hardcore shilling, but the fact that you are an example for the value and meaning and usefulness to be derived from this thing. And as a result, a part of the behavior change is inspired by your wanting to represent it well, um, you know, so that it, 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 you don't, basically, so you don't misrepresent it, so that you're, you're an example of, you know, the value of this thing. Do, you, do any of you guys feel that? This is a trick question, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I like to think of it this way. You, you, you can speak about Bitcoin, but you cannot speak for Bitcoin. You know, like if you if you speak for Bitcoin, you're going to have a bad time. Some people try to do that and it's just not the best idea. Um, so I see myself like I, I don't even see myself as a Bitcoin researcher. I'm too unprofessional for that. I see, I see myself as like a Bitcoin explorer. Like I try to explore this weird new organism thingy and I try to write my thoughts about it uh, in a coherent way. And if I can contribute some code, then that's good as well. But uh, I definitely do, do not speak for Bitcoin. And I even, like, I even stopped to advocate for it too much, you know, like, uh, 
um, I went from shilling lightly to almost not shilling at all because I think that everyone will find Bitcoin and understand Bitcoin uh, once he or she is ready. And um, I, you know, like after failing for so many years, convincing my friends and family that this is important, I, I wrote a, a very last letter for all of them, uh, dear friends and dear family. And <laughs> and I, I will just, whenever they turn around now and uh, ask me about the price or if it's a good time to buy, I'll just send them that and that will be it. But I, I do not. Not at all. Uh, sorry. sorry. There's a term for such an explorer, and it's a hodler knot. You're a hodler knot, GD. <laughs> <laughs> that's, oh, that's, kind of, like that. that's kind of what I, I was referring to. It wasn't a trick question, but what I kind of meant was instead of you know the shilling, do you think it's more effective or important to just be an example of the value of this thing and have it expressed through you? And that's the most powerful shilling you could ever do, as in become you know the person you become as a result of being engaged in this thing yeah i i was gonna say i agree with their gg a lot um i do not speak for bitcoin obviously no one does and i'm not gonna like i don't really want to be that guy who like always pushes bitcoin on people and like you said you know everyone finds bitcoin at a different uh stage in their life and i do what I, you pretty much said what I was going to say, John, I was going to say, you know, lead by example, you know, do things for yourself, you know, if being in Bitcoin makes you want to study more, eat better, exercise more, then do it, you know, show your friends and family that, um, you know, this magic internet money is changing your life for the better, just lead by example is what I have to say. Yeah, I, I do agree with the the point you're getting at, John, which is like, I guess I haven't really thought about it explicitly, but, you know, because Bitcoin has given me this like newfound purpose uh, and that I really want to see brought out into the world and I want to, you know, see this future, I would feel bad if I did something that made that like tarnish its reputation by association, you know, like. I, I guess I hadn't really thought about this and I, I could also see it in like some sort of like pseudo religious context, right? Where like, you know, you don't want to like make the religion look bad or you don't want to like, you know, bring some sort of uh, guilt upon you or some sin or something like that. Like I wouldn't want to commit some giant fraud and then have like the fact that I was a Bitcoiner be associated with the fraud and like make Bitcoin look bad by association, I guess. So like, I don't I don't think any of it's conscious, but I guess like I I would it it just like reinforces me wanting to be a positive force in the world and um you know carry that torch properly, I guess. Yeah. Um all right, let me hit a few uh, specifics here just for for shits and giggles. How has uh, Bitcoin or you know being involved in Bitcoin uh, affected your approach to your diet and fitness specifically. Everybody can have a go. You go, you take it away, Knut. Uh, I <laughs> uh, not in very many ways. I <laughs> I try to eat good food and drink uh, whatever I want whenever whenever I want to. <laughs> uh, it's an expression of freedom, and uh, my diet is my business. Thank you very, very much. Yeah. 
Gigi? I like steak. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I, I, as I said at the very beginning, I lived a very unhealthy lifestyle, and um, I, I, the only thing I always did was I, I was very active, so uh, I, I did a lot of sport. I think that's that's what saved me, but um, yeah. Um, it's it's definitely not only Bitcoin. It's just getting old as well and having a child now. I I try to take care of myself as best as I can, and I try to be the best version of myself uh, that I can be, and that's what I'm working towards every day. Nick, my diet's gotten better since I've gotten into Bitcoin, but also my diet's always been shit. So it's like no matter what healthy stuff I add, it's gonna get better. But um. It's definitely made me eat better in a sense that I exercised a ton when I was um, in middle school, high school. I played on a travel soccer team, like a really competitive one, and we were always going away for like states and regionals and stuff. And um, I had to be super fit for all that. And I feel like it didn't matter too much. Back then, and when I stopped playing soccer and I started working and doing more Bitcoin related stuff, I had less time to exercise. And when I started to eat, you know, unhealthy, it made me feel slow, lethargic, and bad overall because I couldn't do the same stuff I used to. So I was like, okay, how do I get back to that state of fitness? So it's like, okay, I need to start eating better. And even if it means um, I don't exercise as much, and that's really made me feel a lot better. Connor? Yeah, I, I basically like 180 my health. Uh, I wasn't like unhealthy, but I didn't, I wasn't like actively trying to be healthy prior to Bitcoin. I just kind of like ate whatever I wanted to. I mean, I guess I tried to eat healthy a little bit, but this now I'm like just, I'm so much more conscious about stuff. Um, I like actively think about my diet, I eat a lot more meat. Um, just great. Uh, and I go to the gym all the time. Well, not because of quarantine, but even with quarantine, like I've been working out at home, like every day, every other day. And, um, you know, I just feel constantly motivated. It's, it's awesome. 80. I believe that I was extremely healthy my whole life. I was a professional athlete. I was in a national team and I thought that my diet was perfect. But again, once you do your own research, you realize that your like breakfast out meal is not actually healthy. And uh, yeah, I discovered a whole new health paradigm and probably for the first time ever, I can really say that I'm, I'm living a very healthy lifestyle. Max? For me, that that swung like a pendulum from one extreme to the other. Uh, I, I started out just with a, with a regular diet, uh, nothing much. Uh, but then, uh, due to ethical concerns, um, basically a non-aggression principle, uh, I switched to vegetarianism slash almost all vegan, uh, and uh, that was out of the same ethical concerns why I'm in Bitcoin. Right? Uh, but then I realized that uh, this really was degrading my health quite drastically. Uh, and, you know, I'm an individualist first and foremost, uh, so I needed to change something by that. Uh, and now I'm uh, pretty much a full carnivore uh, and really eating uh, meats and cheeses. Uh, and this has increased my health quite drastically. Uh, 
and uh, it's it's uh, quite insane. Um, I mean, I've lost a lot of muscle mass during the vegetarian days, <laughs> and without even doing too much, uh, uh, you know, sport effort, uh, it has increased quite drastically. But then every time you do a workout, it's uh, just uh, you know exponential. Um, so th this you know <laughs> is quite fun um, from. The ethical concerns um, starting out uh, to then moving to uh, the full individualistic uh, mindset, uh, it, both sides of the pendulum. Um, but uh, right now, I definitely do prefer a good steak. I just add something here. Uh, I, I think society in general is too focused on diets. And uh, I don't know how it uh, found its way into Bitcoin as well with this carnivore thing. Uh, I mean, I like steak just as much as the next guy. But where's the rock and roll? Where's the uh, I, I do what I want spirit? Like, <laughs> why why is why is people so upset about food and what people eat and how much they exercise? I mean, for me, it's it's not like caring about other people, but it's just like it goes back to Jocko's idea of discipline equals freedom. Like I, because I have this like radical understanding of what's going to happen in the world i want to be very disciplined so i can maximize my my freedom in the world my potential to act upon that i guess so you know what goes into my body and how i feel i see as being very important to you know acting on that but i don't care if if other people you know eat all the pizza they want you know they can do that and uh i'll have the bitcoin advantage <laughs> I think I think I can explain very easily um, the connection between a carnivore yeah, yeah, diet and no, it's just you know like yeah, Seyfedin yeah, yeah. even has a, a, a yeah. course about it with like fiat money, uh, fiat foods, sound money, sound that, food. But the much. thing is, like I, I have to admit, <laughs> I, I live a lot healthier now than I did before as well. And I, I eat a lot more meat and I exercise every day. And I didn't do that before Bitcoin. But my point is, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> well, I think my, my perspective on this is kind of what we were talking about before and becoming fit for what's to come, the good and the bad. And look, everyone's going to determine the balance that works for them more. Some people can eat pizza every day and function at a very high level, have a high mood, have a high energy, et cetera. Other people can't. And so I think everyone's just finding that balance. Like maybe, Knut, the rock and roll lifestyle makes you pumping out a book every year and being super productive and that kind of stuff. But other people, maybe they, they need to be super strict. Like Connor, what Connor said, discipline equals freedom. You know, that's very much work for yep. me because when I veer off, I become like I become yep. way less productive and yep, I don't feel as good. My mood isn't as good. You shouldn't say that publicly. You should be Keith Richards publicly like <laughs> and you should exercise behind closed doors. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I mean, all my like uh, Keith Richards is probably not at all as unhealthy as people perceive him to be. Right. You mean you just think it's cooler not to care? <laughs> so I don't know what I'm onto here. This was sidetracked long time ago. <laughs> All right. So I want to ask this question. We touched on it very briefly earlier. I think Gigi, you mentioned something about it, but you know, obviously, this whole discussion has been about how we've changed, how change has been either inspired or permitted by interacting with Bitcoin. Um, and I think that's generally framed as a positive, but is it a vulnerability to have 
you know, who you are, how you behave, so intertwined and wrapped up with something that is ultimately beyond your control. What are, do you guys have any thoughts on basically what if we're wrong? What, uh, what does that mean? Yeah, I, I, I have a lot of thoughts on that, even, even if you're, if we are right, but um, mm. it's, I struggle with that sometimes because as I said, I've, I failed to convince many of my, uh, most of my loved ones and most of my friends. Um, so I experience that uh, almost every week that uh, an attack on Bitcoin feels almost like an attack on my identity because I'm so wrapped up in it. And I, if someone talks shit about Bitcoin, I, I, I tend to take it personally. And it's, it's really an, an, an exercise in um, self-control and you have to meditate on that a bit to untangle yourself from Bitcoin from time to time. And that's also the, the beauty of Bitcoin. Like you, you can just go away and it will, it will wait for you. <laughs> you can disengage and later engage again. And I think it's important to um, not, yeah, wed yourself too much with this thing. I mean, living in symbiosis with Bitcoin, I think is very important, but there's still most of the world still don't take Bitcoin seriously at all. And that doesn't mean that you're not a serious person or uh, you're not seriously involved in it. And I, I think it's important to realize that and uh, yeah, just step out of your little bubble from, from time to time and try to talk to real people and don't take them too seriously if they don't take <laughs> Bitcoin seriously. I, I'm definitely in a bubble. Like all my friends are Bitcoiners. I have no, like I have no, uh, I have no normal friends left at this point pretty much because like, you know, I left my life behind, I immigrated <laughs> to the States and I gained a whole new group of friends and I met them all through Bitcoin. But I would say that I discovered myself better through this experience. Like I was this weird kid that had weird opinion on stuff that acted weird, tried to find weird ways. But now when everybody's weird, I can be as weird as I want to. And I feel very comfortable with that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, I think regardless of whether it fails or not, I mean, if it fails, all my states, statements still stand. Like, uh, this was our only shot at uh, sound money. I still believe that uh, uh, if Bitcoin fails, the experiment failed. But that doesn't mean we can't learn anything from it. I mean, this, the point is uh, what we learn from it, what we can take away from it, right? And uh, that, that still stands, uh, even if Bitcoin goes to zero. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it would be like, it goes back to the idea of like what it's given us. Like for me, it's given me a sense of purpose, a sense of hope for a better future, uh, a sense that there is some sort of path forward out of, you know, this centrally planned mess that we have. And an attack on Bitcoin um, or Bitcoin failing in some way, uh, like that would just be, it, it's, it would be nice to silo it from how I feel, but it would just be crushing for me because I do have a lot of like hope wrapped up in it. And, and that's kind of inevitable because that's what gives me the positivity that I experienced from Bitcoin. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Um, it, it's the skin of the game. And I think, but, but at the same time, like, I guess um, when someone does attack Bitcoin, it never comes from a, a place of anything other than ignorance. And well, I don't know. I feel like some no coiners are just like 
intention like they intentionally hate bitcoin for no valid purpose but for a lot of people you know negative comments just come from a place of just repeating whatever tired statements they've heard on cnbc or whatever well cnbc is pretty bullish lately but other news outlets um yeah so for them it's just like you know you just gotta take it as it is and i i I feel like in a way the stock to flow analysis has actually kind of helped me reach the zen state where stock to flow determines price and demand and it's not the demand determines price which is it's been a nice little mental barrier for me so i'm like i don't even have to show people look it's got number go up technology programmed in it doesn't even matter at this point like i just have to wait and uh that's that's been a nice like breath of relief so yeah if bitcoin does fail i'm gonna know a lot of people who want you know separation of state and money so i feel like yeah bitcoin going to zero would be like absolutely soul crushing but i would still have like even at least a little sliver of like hope and optimism that something you know something good could you know there's light at the end of the tunnel type of stuff you know so i feel like something good would happen yeah and it doesn't have to be bitcoin like i mean ideally it's bitcoin because that's what we've been working towards but like I do. Th- I, I think you're right there that like in many ways, the genie's out of the bottle. Like, I, I don't think that for uh, much longer we're going to have state based currency. I mean, maybe it's like I'm, I'm talking like longer time frames, but like I, I think it's a few generations at most. And I think it's like very soon coming to an end personally. So um, even if Bitcoin doesn't succeed, like the structure of decentralized, permissionless, self-referential database is it's here to stay and there's no way you can put that back. Uh, I, I don't think so. I don't think you can repeat this. I think this is our only shot at Ooh. this because of the, because of the initial distribution. So sorry there, Connor, but uh, I think this is our only shot. Uh, otherwise I would be a shit fighter. Yeah. I tend to agree with Knut. Guys, that was my hope. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think we forget another fundamental thing. And that is, uh, we, we say if Bitcoin goes to zero, but that doesn't matter because value is subjective, right? So number on screen can say zero, but that doesn't mean it has to be zero for you. And this is the most important lesson. Like, uh, the, the number on the screen, uh, just represents what someone was able to uh, was willing to buy a bitcoin for and to sell a bitcoin for the last time it was bought or sold it is nothing more than historical data so it can go to zero but if you have an ironclad belief in it it can still be worth a hundred thousand dollars i mean if there was a break of like ecdsa or something that that actually made it so that the you know distribution of bitcoin property or ownership became impossible yeah, that's that's a that's a whole different story. I still feel like eventually yeah. we we have the the components together, a proof of work and public private key cryptography, and that there would be a new one. I don't think it would be ideal. It wouldn't be. I think this is our best shot, but I don't think this is our only shot. I think that the new one would be very very poorly distributed compared to this because it didn't have an, it wouldn't have as organic of a beginning. It wouldn't have the How same we- waves of adoption and things. It'd be much more top heavy with early How- adopters. How would you achieve uh, decentralization in that uh, in that case? Well, I mean, it would just, I think it would have to kind of grow similar to Bitcoin did. In the very beginning, it wasn't decentralized. 
it, it has achieved decentralization through time and effort. And I think that as another shot wouldn't be as good. And Bitcoin was, you know, kind of beautifully. Well, I guess you're you're right in the sense that the early days is going to be unsafe for the currency. Yeah, that, that's 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 my point. Uh, history can't repeat itself. Like uh, an, another coin would never unfold the, the same way Bitcoin did. It's impossible because people are aware of how Bitcoin unfolded, and that that skews the whole. So, are, do you think that in those early days of Bitcoin 2.0, it would just be too vulnerable? Uh, to attack. Yeah, I literally. think it would be centralized in instantly. Uh, there is no way to protect uh, against that. Uh, like, what, what the the point where I uh, where I really started to to believe that Bitcoin's decentralization was sufficient or real enough uh, was when the Bcash fork mm. happened and uh, the uh, when uh, Segwit 2x was rejected. But before that, I was still not convinced. So, so, uh, and another coin would have to convince me in the same way. And I, I don't think it will. I, I, I I'm sorry, yeah. but I think this is our only shot. And the, I think this is one of the greatest misconceptions about this technology. Because, uh, and if we don't yeah. treat it as our only shot, there's a, there's a higher probability that it will fail. We will have to treasure it. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, uh, I think Robert Breedlove uh, yes. wrote the best piece on that um, with Bitcoin yeah. in the number zero, that it is a path-dependent mm. invention. And what I, I, I think about it this way, and I, 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 I kind of share your concern, Connor, a little bit, but also not really, because I think of it this way. Bitcoin, for me, is is a, is a living organism. But the outcome of this living organism, it's it's like your fingernails, you know? It's, it's not a living thing anymore. Like the, the data structure it produces, the blockchain itself, it it is independent of the of the organism. Like even if Bitcoin fails catastrophically and the network goes down, like if we have a global EMP, uh, third world war, there, there will be some place where the ledger itself survived. And if everything we know about mathematics and physics has to be wrong for ECDSA and SHA-256 to be broken. And you, what, what I'm trying to say is even if Bitcoin dies, we could still have the fair distribution, given that we still have the ledger and people still have their private keys. And I think this will pretty much always be the case. Uh, you know what I mean? So you, even if Bitcoin dies for technical reasons, like the network goes down, you could reboot it and use the fair structure that we have embedded in the, let, uh, in, in the ledger to to reboot a second network um, given the initial distribution. And I, I agree with Knut that there is just no other way to bootstrap a network in, in any way, um, like now the, mm. the, the cat is out of the bag. I agree with that point that we could always just take the ledger and, and the new system. Uh, but to push back on something that, uh, although I agree in general, um, the, the aspect of decentralization is, is not a prerequisite for the technology being successful. Right? Decentralization is a means to an end. The end is censorship resistant and the ability or the, the unconfiscatability, right? So, for example, if we somehow figure out uh, that we have a Xiaomi and eCash type digital bear certificate uh, blinded signature magic stuff where the central server can no longer steal, right, or, or no longer inflate the money supply, then this would arguably uh, be better, right? Centralized systems are much more efficient. Uh, and as long as we don't have to trust the central server, as long as it's just a replaceable service provider itself, 
uh, then I don't think that it would be too bad, right? Of course, we, we can argue about the nuances, but it still might be a very successful system in that way. So the decentralization is, is not the end goal that we want to achieve, right? The, the end goal is the sovereignty. Yeah, but they go hand in hand, right? Uh, like if you have a centralized server, uh, how how would how would you prevent it from like what what you're talking about is sort of utopian because uh, the decentralization is is what prevents this from happening i, I mean there is there is no other way uh, so far so far, that this has certainly been the case, right? But um, we don't know what, what smart brains will come up in the future, right? It, it, it used to be thought impossible to have a system like Bitcoin, right, to have the scarcity in cyberspace. Now it is possible, right? It's, it's very decentralized. It's very inefficient. Well, learnings that we had, we can go further uh, and build new techno uh, technologies that might be more centralized, but still have that uh, these same properties. You know, one example for uh, would be Scrit. Uh, Scrit is a federation-based um, eCash server, basically. So instead of relying on the trust of one central server, you have a federation of seven out of ten uh, servers. Right. Uh, so this already is a huge step forward from having one central uh, point of failure to having a, a distributed set of uh, points of failures. Uh, it is it is still centralized in that sense, right? and there's still a client-server relationship, but at least the the stealing and inflation of the server is uh, prevented. Would would you trust that system, Max? Uh, well, I I definitely trust the federation more than a single server. Um, I don't trust it as much oh. as Bitcoin, obviously. Uh, I'm, I'm not but, saying that that we have the technology. I'm saying there's a yeah. possibility for such a technology. Guys, I'm going to jump in. Trusting a this... federation. Uh, this is this is a good conversation, but beyond the scope of this uh, this panel, and we're going to shut it down so, soon. So I got two more for you guys, and then we're going to close it off. Um, the the second last one is, what have been some of the negative impacts uh, of engaging with Bitcoin? You know, in your in your negative influences in your life. Hmm. And think of okay. a single one. Okay, I'll start. I'll start. So for me. I definitely really? spent more time on Twitter, and I question the the uh, the benefit of of doing that. So yeah. the, the time the yeah. time used to you know scroll through Twitter <laughs> and be involved in conversations and stuff like that, uh, I think I my time could probably be more productively spent doing other things. If I'm honest with myself. Yeah, I mean, we can only gain so much benefit from dunking on Roy Sabah, <laughs> you know, right? But but I mean. I don't know. Twitter Twitter is probably definitely the hardest one for me because I've made so many friends on there and I've gained so many relationships that I really think are going to last a very, very long time. So, uh, I mean, I, I think that it's one of those things like you can obviously always overdo it, but I think the the benefits of social networking have just been astronomical. Um, and I don't think, I don't even think we're seeing the returns yet, honestly. So, yeah, it's it's a mixed bag there. I think that's probably the hardest one for me too. Is I am on my phone more than I probably should be, and you know there are loved ones I want to spend time with. So one negative for me that could be seen as a positive is like I don't go out and like do more social stuff as much as I used to because it's like oh my god, do I want to go to this party and get blacked out drunk, or do I want to like you know, spend my Friday night doing Bitcoin stuff and like, you know, getting online and talking with other Bitcoiners and expanding my knowledge. And it's just like, sometimes 
you really just don't want to like interact with like normies because you're like i just want to do bitcoin stuff like i don't want to spend my time doing anything else so it's like as long as you don't let it ruin like relationships because like don't think of yourself as like oh you're not in bitcoin well that places me above you it's like don't i've seen some people start to think like that and as long as you don't let it like ruin your ego i think you're good Yes, that's a very good point, Nick. And I think in, in general, it's it's a realignment of priorities. Right? And, and that can be, of course, a good thing if the priorities were wrong place in the, in the first instance. But still, there, there are many valuable things uh, or relationships uh, that uh, are no longer as valuable or, or prioritized as working on Bitcoin stuff. And so, you know, this, this might be an old group of friends that are still good guys and everything. But uh, like, for example, with... Uh, who said that you have of Gigi, uh, like all the skaters, right? Um, great guys, nothing wrong with them, but spending your time in Bitcoin is more valuable. Uh, so they unfortunately get uh, kicked out uh, on the wayside. Yeah, I, um, well, I don't know. I, I'm having a hard time answering this question because it depends on your point of view. I, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I went all in into Bitcoin a couple of times, like. I, I went all in financially. I went all in by quitting my job. I went all in by moving somewhere else and just concentrating my whole time on Bitcoin. I dropped all my other hobbies and all my other interests. I pretty much dropped all my other friends as well. Uh, I just had to concentrate on the thing solely. Um, many people would say that that's a negative thing. Um, I. I obviously don't agree since I, I choose to spend my time on Bitcoin <laughs> and uh, I still have uh, um, very good friends from, from the olden days uh, that know that I'm into Bitcoin and they still talk to me. So not, not everything is lost, but um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a mixed bag for sure. You know, it's uh, Bitcoin is a little bit like Bitcoin Twitter as well. Like uh, <laughs> it's very hard to to disengage. And um, I, I learned that the hard way last year that I need to also do some other things. And uh, if, if anyone else listening to this has the same problem, I can highly recommend starting a family because that's a nice for forcing function. Like a baby is a very nice forcing function of doing something else and <laughs> getting off Bitcoin Twitter for a change. Can I... Can Nothing. Can I... Yeah, they, <laughs> as usual, the opposite is true for me. Like, Bitcoin Twitter is a good excuse to get a, get rid of the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I I feel uh, very similarly to Nick. You know, it's definitely no aspect. You you want to be careful. Yeah, um, you know, towards the people that are in your social life that are not to. Uh, I just feel like, you know, if a couple of the boys want me to go down to a bar and have a few beers around a table, I'm just like, we're going to be talking about nonsense. Like, I want to, yeah. I want to learn, I want to grow, I want to smash ideas together and see which, which, what new ones emerge. I want to build. There's so, you know, there's so, so little time and so much to do, sort of attitude, and um, you know, wasting it with the nonsense, especially in the, in light of uh, certain areas of the world where. I know this is, I'm generalizing horribly here, but to encounter a lot of kind of ideological possession where people don't seem to be thinking, you know, uh, necessarily for themselves. And you hear a lot of the same uh, opinions uh, in, in social environments and stuff like that. So I, I find that, that my social life and my social circle has 
shrunken dramatically, but not in a way that I've, you know, just like kicked people to the side and now I'm, I'm, I'm a different person to them. It's just that I see them less because uh, in my free time, I, you know, I'd like to spend it, you know, growing and building and developing. Yeah, but that, that's not really Bitcoin's fault now, is it? it that, that's, like, that's not because of Bitcoin being too interesting, that they are being too uninteresting, right? Well, I, I think the, the relative difference is what I'm <laughs> yeah. getting at. Yeah, yeah it, but it does change how you see them. I mean, it's like it's like you're watching like black and white television, and then it's like in full color, and it's really hard to go back to it or something. It, it's just yeah. like there is a dimension of it that is missing when you go back and have the conversations you used to have. Exactly. And it's it is it is it's kind of sad. Um, I don't get enjoyment out of the same things that I used to because I don't feel like it's really hard for me to sit down and play video games for four hours. I used to love it. Now I'm yeah. like. I could like I can do this for a few hours while I'm listening to a podcast on finance or something like I need some sort of stimulation to feel like I'm I'm growing in some way. It's like it, like I feel like Bitcoin is like it's shown me how small my brain was in terms of like how much I know. Like it, it really like just punched me in the face and told me that I don't know anything about anything. And now it is so hard to go back to doing things that are largely just entertainment with that sense just like kind of gnawing at me in the background and i feel this urge to constantly explore and, and it's like a great thing but it, you know it, it does have drawbacks in the sense like it's it's hard for me to sit down and like watch a movie or something i, I don't know and, and so you have to like you have to think about the trade-offs and i don't know a, a lot of times you have to think well this is more than just a movie it's the experience of doing it with people i care about and that's good you know for xyz reason but i don't know it's 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 been weird totally relate yeah i mean it's uh, if if it's one negative it's that it like hinders your brain from uh, ever slowing down (laughs) yeah i mean meditate Meditation helps. I, I try to when when I uh, exercise, which I said I didn't fit for, but anyway, uh, when I I run a couple of miles every day and I like uh, or a couple of kilometers at least, but uh, I try to do that without my phones and without my even my glasses on, uh, not no headphones or nothing. Just uh, just try to use that for meditation because I can't even sit down anymore and do nothing it's impossible and the bitcoin has a huge part of that of course it's social media as well but i have to remind myself of that too you know uh, in my conversation with bitcoin sign guy he said uh bitcoin can't be an end it has to be a means and sometimes i have to remind myself that you know this is all for the ability to have a better richer more joyful life and so not to forget that on the way there to actually you know stop and smell the roses or actually enjoy life because this is a tool to do that in a more free way and uh, not not to be forgotten on the on the journey all right last question guys and then i'll let you all go um at the beginning of this uh podcast or panel i asked you to describe yourself before uh, I'm wondering if you guys have any thoughts regarding the person you may be at this exact time, four years from now, on the eve of uh, the next having. How do you do? You have any visions, aspirations uh, about how who you may be or what you may be doing at that time? 
Knut, we'll start with you. Yeah, I just had a, had a picture of Conan the Barbarian in my <laughs> just ripped, <laughs> ripped, and in my citadel, uh, like eating steak. So. <laughs> I love it. That was mine too. <laughs> he man, like. <laughs> Next level He-Man stuff. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, if He-Man, if that's an appropriate pronoun these days, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like these next four years—that's it's—it's an awesome question, but a really hard one. I feel like the next four years is really—I I, I, I can't help but see it as like this is the do or die moment, really. Like with with all the things that are happening with COVID. And then the knock-on effects of that with an already extremely fragile monetary system, and we're going into a happening. Like I, I, I can't imagine what four years from now are going to be like. But it'll be in many ways someone who right now I feel a sense of not anxiety but restlessness or waiting to see how this unfolds. And I feel like, or at least I hope that four years from now there'll be a sense of resolution to that and you know we'll just see where the pieces have fallen and um you know i I think i know where they're going to fall but you know we'll see and i I feel like whoever i am four years from now it'll be someone who is more at peace with things (laughs) hopefully and uh yeah that's kind of all i can think of gg nick gg can go first if he wants (laughs) Yeah, I'm still thinking, trying to uh, think of a good answer. I, I don't know what will be like, what will happen in the in the next four years. Um, I hope to have published another book. I also hope to have contributed as much code as I can. I hope to be a good father, and I hope to still care and not lose interest. You know, like uh, there there are many things that I truly deeply care about, and um, I, I hope that. Many other people will start to care as well, and uh, I hope that my motivation will not fade in the, in the next couple of years. I'm I'm not afraid of that, but I, I I I hope that in terms of motivation and willingness to work on this thing, that it stays the same. If it if it goes any higher, <laughs> I I might die. So uh, I hope it stays the same. <laughs> I, I know what you'll be doing, in GG. You'll tell your kid to shut up while you're on while Dad's on Bitcoin Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Posting memes. For me, it's hard to imagine what you know the next four years are gonna be like at the end of it, because I'm 20. So when I'm 24, like I feel like that's 20 year olds and 24 year olds. Well, I'm almost 21, so let's just say 20 to 25. I feel like that's a huge age gap in like where you are at 25, you're in a completely different place than you are at 20. So I don't know what I'll be like then. I hope obviously a better version than of what I am right now, but kind of like what Gigi said, I really would be disappointed if like my work ethic and drive slows down and like, I want to like continue contributing to the space, but I want to contribute like, stuff of better quality because i definitely think i can step up my game in a lot of ways and um there are some projects i want to get started on and like some things 
I have like envisioned, but that's all up to me to really, you know, put my head down and start working. And back to like what Katie was saying earlier, how like once you get into Bitcoin, like you don't really want to do anything else. Like uh, earlier last semester, I was up at like 1 a.m. writing a history paper and I'm just like, I kind of like backed away from the computer and I was like, I don't want to be doing this. I, I want to be, you know, doing Bitcoin stuff. You know, it it makes me think like I've stayed up till, you know, 5 a.m., 6 a.m., you know, happily doing Bitcoin stuff. But when it's something for like school where I don't want to work on it, it's like such a chore and such a pain to do. And it's just I really want that feeling of like happiness that I get from Bitcoin to continue to you know, be there when I'm 24, 25. Nice. Max, are, are you still around? I think he dropped out for a sec. Um, I'll, I'll give my answer and see if Max comes back in the next minute or so. But for me, you know, Connor, the, the anxiety about the future thing has always been not like crippling for me, but I think it's something we all contend with because we live in an uncertain yeah. world. And um, it, it dawned on me a few years ago because I was always concerned about what my future is going to be, what I'm going to have, what I'm going to do, what I, where I'm going to be, all this kind of stuff. And that's, you know, there's, there's a place for all of that. But I realized that the most important aspects of who I was, you know, am I an honest person, a genuine person, kind, like that, 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 all those things, none of those are going to change if I can establish what they are and if I'm happy with what they are now and I can establish them now. And so I thought like, well, then in the future, just the peripheral stuff will be different. What I have may be different. The people around me may be different, but like I'm those kind of core elements of who I am are always going to be there. And that gave me some sense of comfort about what the future may hold and where, what my place in it may be. But as far as, you know, kind of in the, in the Bitcoin question of like, where do you think you'll be as a result of engaging with Bitcoin uh, four years from now, for me, the, you know, the general answer is just, I just want to press into freedom, like freedom to express, freedom to build, freedom to learn, freedom to, you know, I, that's just the, that's, in my opinion, that's what this is all about, however you interpret that. And so I think we come from this such a we, we condition, we were conditioned and we grow up in such a kind of caged sense of ourselves and what's possible and who and what we can do and be. And uh, it, it's a process of, you know, breaking free from those shackles and exploring different elements of yourself and how those expressions look. Um, and of course, establishing the means to actually express them freely, because obviously we know some of our freedoms are, are, are very uh, oppressed, either, you know, uh, you know, consciously or subconsciously. But yeah, for me, that's it. It's just press into freedom in, in every domain and see what the result is. Yeah. Never, never lose those core qualities, John. You definitely have them. Yeah. <laughs> so, so do wise. you guys. So do you guys. Um, <laughs> all right. I, I guess it looks like Matt, Max is not going to come back. So uh, guys, I just want to thank you for, for taking the time to do this. I knew this was going to be super fun. I'm a huge fan of, of all of you. I consider it an honor that I got to, uh, you know, sit down for one-on-ones with all of you guys. And I'm sure there'll be many more in the future. So, uh, Love you guys. Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, if you have any closing thoughts, now's the time. <laughs> yeah, good to see Gigi and John and Max again. And good to see Connor and Nick and talk to them for the first time. Uh, 
love you guys. Love all your work and uh, keep on doing what you're all doing and do more of it, please. Love it all. Max, are you there? Max? Back. Uh, the internet connection is uh, tremendously good here. <laughs> We're, uh, the last, did you hear the last question? Uh, yes, I did. So, so what to do over the next happening, and and what's the vision here? Um, for yeah. me, in, in one word, it would be to sum uh, be summed up uh, for being unfuckwithable. Uh, so to have all the tools and weapons that I need to defend my property and, and my livelihood uh, and my loved ones. Uh, so this means residing in several citadels. Who cares about one citadel? You need several of them spec in different regions. Some in the mountains, some on the beachside, maybe one underground in the city. Uh, let's see. Uh, of course, having an armada of drones uh, flying around me to protect uh, myself and to have good surveillance uh, for any cronies coming to steal my stuff. And of course, the most elaborate taproot scheme uh, to protect my uh, Bitcoin hodlings in almost every case. Uh, so, so basically, uh, all of that together, um, and it's hopefully going to be glorious. You win, Max. That was the best response. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, look. Thank you again, and uh, look forward to the next time we all get to chat. And uh, let's go enjoy some of the other uh, speakers in the conference. And most importantly, enjoy the having. It's going to be fun tonight. 18, 18 blocks, guys. 18 blocks. Damn. I got to get my pizza and beer ready. <laughs> 17 now. 17. Peace out, guys. It was great talking to you all. All right. See you, guys. See you. Bye. Take care. Bye. Yeah. Take care, everyone.